Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Good evening, everybody. This is Corey J. Richmond, joined by Jason Brooks, and you're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. And you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WorkshootPod. Another interesting week in wrestling that we're here to discuss. And the world is starting to open up a little bit more. Now that people are starting to get vaccines, CDC today said that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask indoor or outdoor. And with a lot of wrestling taking a place in Florida, that really wasn't a problem to begin with. Uh, Jay, how are you doing today? I'm good. I mean, these restrictions are, it was like, okay, you still can't do all these things inside now. Do a, do a, do whatever the hell you want. Like, do whatever you want. So it's, um, yeah, I think we're really going to see how this is all going to go with things opening up. And I think it's going to create some uh, interesting things for the WWE and for AEW over the next few months, for sure. So uh, let's start off with like kind of an update to a story that we were here for back in November, which kind of broke as we were on the air. Uh, Selena Vega, when she was in WWE, real name Thea Trinidad, uh, back in November was uh, unceremoniously released from uh, WWE because of her affiliation with third party um, brands, particularly, you know, Twitch. Uh, and a story came out today from Fightful that's been corroborated by Dave Meltzer and others that Selena was at the WWE Performance Center uh, this past uh, May the 13th today and she was apparently uh looks like she was filming some stuff at the performance center and that may not be it so uh jay what's your thoughts on the return of selena vega aka thea trinidad and you think something got resolved or where do we where, where do you think's happening here i mean the one thing right we, we we've talked about this in wrestling forever guys get released and come back all the time um you can say as for vince he doesn't usually hold grudges so guys frequently come back who have been released or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm surprised no one scooped her up in the meantime. Maybe this has kind of been the plan for a few months. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, that her husband's getting a push. And so this is not, a. it's a surprise, but I don't think it's a shock. Um, I think she's been good there. I think they really wanted her star to shine. I think they, they tried to push her before this Twitch or stuff. Um, it sounds like Vince kind of had a freak out and released her when he shouldn't have. And maybe this is kind of a mea culpa for that. And so I, you know, I think they did a good job with her. They don't do a good job with many people, but I think they've done a good job with her. And so I, you know, for her to go back, I think probably makes the most sense for her in her career. Her husband's there other than releasing her in a bizarre fashion, they've done good by her character. So I guess we'll kind of see what happens, but I'm surprised, but not shocked. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where when it happened, you know, it was this big thing. We had politicians, you know, talking about it. Uh, you know, one of our mayor candidates for New York uh, spoke up about it. And, you know, when it came to free market and everything else with the WWE being a monopoly, a lot of other things. And then it kind of all, once Biden won the election and he wasn't in the cabinet anymore, a choice, it kind of like went by the, went by. And I'm wondering, 
are they going to let her do things, you know, which comes back? I mean, are people reading more into this? I mean, you know, Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful break stories all the time. They broke the Daniel Bryan story last week. They're, they're darn reliable with these things, but you think we might be making more than this than it is? You think she may have been there just to film stuff? Or once you get your foot back in the door, you're most likely back. I mean, if she went there to film stuff, she's probably coming back, right? Like, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for them to film things with their... What would she be filming things for? For Alistair Black? Or, um, you know, I think that... I think that'd be cool if she was like maybe his manager or something. Like, I don't know. To me, that's what, I mean, why, why else would she be there? So the thing is, right, now we're doing the assumption jump to a certain extent. But to a certain extent, we're connecting the dots. You're saying Sean Rossap is reliable. They're just saying she filmed something. Now we're the ones who are taking it to the next level and saying because she filmed something, that could be this. He's still accurate. Right. But it's so so what you're saying is not the same thing as like, you know, whatever. So connecting the dots, if they're filming something, she probably is going to be there. But um, I guess I guess, you know, we'll find out. Um, but it makes sense. And it only makes sense because her husband's getting a push and we haven't heard of anywhere she would she was going to go. And I feel like she's been a free agent for a while now. Yeah. So, you know, and I think. If she was going to go somewhere, we know AEW, how badly they need women on the roster. Um, and interesting uh, with Britt Baker, how she said that the division was kind of dying at one point in her promo last night. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's good that she's back if she's back. And I'm assuming that's probably the case. Now, you brought it up already. And I'm, I wonder if they go this way, if they put her with Alistair Black, real life or a uh, real life husband. Or do you do what she was doing before, where she was a manager for Latino acts that can't talk for themselves or, or you know, English, English wasn't their first language? Do you put her with a up and coming guy who you think can be something or do you put her with her husband? Because what she did with Andrade really helped that act when, you know, he yeah. didn't have, you know, the full language at that point. And, you know, now that Andrade's not there, Umberto just got hurt this week, you know, from a botched spot on Monday night. So you mostly wouldn't go with him. Angel Garza is a good enough talker. Maybe not with him, but what do you think they, would you do the idea of going with her husband or do you, her strength was on the mic, you know, helping some of these Latino stars. Well, you also forgot about the uh, part where she was a wrestler for a little bit too. Um, I don't think they're bringing her back to be, I mean, her, I, mean her, I, I mean, who knows? We, we don't, I mean, that's what she was doing before they, she, she got a title shot. So why wouldn't they bring her back as a wrestler? I don't. I don't know that that's def definitely not there. Um, I, yeah, I think it'd be cool for her to be paired with her husband. Um, I think they're like a unique, like looking couple. You know, um, you know she's, uh, you know, uh, Latino, and you know he's freaking from the Netherlands and mm -hmm. he's got the tattoos. So they're like a kind of cool, interesting looking duo. So I think it would be kind of cool, but um, you know they could kind of go anywhere with her, really. So I would say, and, you know, maybe she needs to go to Raw because that show needs something. Um, but then, you know, she might want to stand a show with her husband. And then how does the touring affect things? Do we start to see? Uh, so, I mean, to be honest with you, it really can go either way. I think the coolest thing were, would be for her to be paired with her husband uh, as kind of heel characters. And we'll see if that's where they go with it. It'll be interesting to see. And we'll continue to follow the story and more developments that come out. But it's good to see she's back in the fold and she's not done 
and look hopefully with the wrestling industry as a whole. I thought maybe she would go wherever Andrade went because they were such a good unit together. But if the idea was go and let some of the heat die off, let her maybe still use her Twitch channel, which we'll find out, you know, because apparently she does quite well with that. And, you know, maybe maybe they came up with a deal with her. Or, like I said, maybe she was just filming something and we just want to see her back. So I'm making more of the story than it is. But, uh, Jay, coming this Sunday, can you believe it's already Sunday? We have another WWE uh, pay-per-view or Peacock special. WWE WrestleMania Backlash. Now, Jay has been the smart person who basically since uh, the new announcer came to Monday Night Raw, he gave up, and that wasn't the only reason, but he gave up watching Raw and his sanity has returned a little bit. But uh, Jay, we've got a pay-per-view. What's your initial, before we go over a couple of these matches quickly, what's your you know initial uh, interest level? Did you even know there was a pay-per-view on Sunday? I mean, I, I, I didn't even know there was a show. Uh, I knew it was like this week or next week. I, you know, these weeks are, are just crazy uh, for me. But um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I don't know, man. Backlash is always a horrible pay-per-view. It's always, and now it's WrestleMania Backlash. So it's always a terrible pay-per-view. I like that they're calling it WrestleMania Backlash. They're admitting that it's basically just a bunch of rematches and a bunch of joke matches that we don't give a shit about. And we just have to throw a pay-per-view together. So I'm not looking forward to the show at all. I could mostly care less. Yeah, I, I can see your point there. I mean, some of the matches on paper look good. Some of the storytelling getting to some of these matches made hasn't been great because they're, you know, it's the post-WrestleMania malaise a little bit. But, uh, Jay. See, there's not, there's, and that's the problem. There's not supposed to be a post-WrestleMania malaise. We're supposed to have all these new stars that they're making that have been appearing and, you know. That's not necessarily been been the case, but yeah, let's go over it. So, uh, of the f- we have five matches, I believe, on the sh- on the card, or six. We're only going to talk about a couple of them because you know one of them really. Who cares about the Miz? We move on. Uh, you want to start with the uh, women's SmackDown title match, or do you want to start with the the uh, Raw title match for the women, which is kind of a disaster? Yeah, I mean, well, so here's the thing with Raw for everyone who's like, you do a pro wrestling podcast and you don't watch Raw. Yeah, yep, I don't. I don't. And I'm very happy. I read the reports. I know exactly what's going on. I know who's who's getting put over and who's not. And that's all I need to see. So for you people who might complain, I don't watch Raw. I want my sanity. The show is horrible. Go blank yourself or whatever. Um, so let's start with the Raw. Let's start with the Raw uh, match. Raw women's match. Okay, so we have a triple threat, just like the men. We've got Rhea Ripley coming in as champion. I don't know if you really realize that the way she's been booked. Versus Asuka, who they booked terribly. Versus the greatest woman <laughs> in the history of women's wrestling, apparently, Charlotte Flair. Uh, based, based on booking, you would think they would go with the heel Charlotte Flair to, to keep the idea that she's basically the gold standard or whatever. That, you know, She's the opportunity, I think, what she's calling herself might be wrong on that. But the way they booked Rhea Ripley to basically be this whiny, whiny character now, who, who I still don't think has figured herself out since winning the title. And then Asuka, who basically is one step above, you know, Shayna Baszler right now when it comes to the way they're treating her on TV. I think you got to go with Charlotte Flair. But from what you've read. But then, who, but then who, but then, so, yeah, I mean, the stuff that I've read is that Charlotte's been really the face of this feud and they don't know what to do with the other two. But how do you have Charlotte win? Who who does she wrestle? Like if she wins the match, they've basically Rhea Ripley. We have no idea who she is as a person. 
but she's the champion. And Asuka, they've just done, they've, you know, we know what they've done with Asuka. Who is, who is not damaged enough for her to go against? It'd have to be a new challenger. I mean, that's not what they're going to do. We know that what they're going to do. You know, maybe Charlotte wins and they're going to redo this, these matches like a million times. But, you know, in order to continue to establish Rhea Ripley, who only got, you know, because of Charlotte's, you know, medical issues, Rhea Ripley kind of got the push really quickly. Um, but we don't know much about her. I think to us to, to continue to establish her, I think she has to win the match, right? Like it doesn't make any sense for, and they have Oscar lose all the time anyway. So just have her pin Oscar, and that keeps the you know that keeps Charlotte looking strong. I mean, they, she's always going to look strong. Um, so I, I would have Rhea Ripley win the match. It doesn't make any sense to have Charlotte win, but we know when all else fails, that's where they go. Go Flair. I mean, I think the, the, the general term, which I think is going to be a similar scene in both the Raw and men's and women's match, you have a third person in this match named Asuka, and then in the men's match, Braun Strowman. So you don't have to put, you know, pin your more than likely your people who they either conserve, uh, consider over or they want to protect. Because, you know, Asuka, you know, not losing for like over a year and a half is not the same Asuka. I mean, it's, I know that's old story, whatever. You know, the NXT Asuka is not the same as Monday Night Raw Asuka. To put it nicely, and she's still most likely better than the than the two of them combined. But uh, so I'm going to go with Flair. You're going to go with Rhea Ripley. I think you're most likely right. But I think we can both agree Oscar's taking the pin. A hundred percent. All right, so let's uh, move over to SmackDown here for a second. Uh, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. I think the, for the build for this is I don't really think there was a build particularly. I mean. Sasha Banks basically has been on TV, I think, for like 45 seconds since WrestleMania. I'm not sure if she's filming stuff for The Mandalorian or other stuff. I mean, I see her post stuff on Twitter here and there, you know, some pictures and stuff. But, I mean, she really hasn't been on the program. Bailey got the short end of the stand when it came to WrestleMania where, you know, she basically did nothing. I think they'll have a great match due to the fact they, they've had matches leading up to Mania. Um, I think it's way too early to take the title off Belair, but I think Bailey is a – has been a great character on TV, and it's you don't want to see either one of them lose, but right? it's not time to take the title off of Bailey. Yeah, I think they look at Bailey as the safe, uh, safe. She can always be the champion. She can always lose to someone for the championship. Like she's such a um, like a like a great role player. Like I, I don't want to put it like that, right? But she's like a great role player in the women's division, um, where they can always have her do different things. And she has been extremely entertaining just in general. Like I really enjoy when she comes out. Although like, it's funny cause she's a heel, but I just almost think she's funny. Like she just seems like, even when she's a heel, she's kind of has a baby face cause she's funny, but I, but I've really enjoyed her. Um, I think the build hasn't been great, but I don't think it's been bad because the build is kind of an extension on, on their feud that they had before. So mm-hmm. I don't think, I think it's been okay, and I think Bailey's done a good job of of keeping that feud strong. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. To, I think that's going to be a good match. Um, Bailey can have a good match with almost anyone, and Bianca's really really improved. So yeah, I I expect that to be a good match, and uh, hopefully, be a good they'll, match. hopefully they'll give us some time. I agree. Um, next next match on the card: uh, WWE SmackDown a tag team. Uh, the Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, have been okay. If you remember their champions, 
um, I, are facing Dominic and Rey Mysterio. I don't know if this is the right time to to put the, uh, the title on father and son, but I think that's where they're going to go. I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed if the Dirty Dogs kept the titles or if you did the title change. I mean, I don't know what direction you think they should go here, but I don't think you really can go wrong either way. I don't see them doing many title changes, right? So, like, I have Rhea Ripley winning, and we're going to go over these other matches, but I pretty much have the champions all retaining. And these backlashes, you don't usually see many title changes. So I think this is probably the spot where you get a title change. Uh, the Dirty Dogs, what a horrible name. But um, what a, they're just like such a goofy, like, it's just, anyway, whatever. Um, I think it could go either way, but uh, my money would be on uh, the Mysterios to win, uh, win the match and win the tag titles. I mean, how much longer is Rey Mysterio going to wrestle? Um, eventually he's got to give the rub to Dominic and, and have him kind of do his thing. So yeah, I think the Mysterios win the tag titles. Yeah. I mean, could we get some more matches coming up and we may get a tag team title match for the, uh, the Raw titles. We may get, you know, Amos and AJ versus maybe RK bro possibly gets added to this. Nothing's been announced as of yet, but that could happen. So, uh, the last two matches to two, um, big matches for titles, your other triple threat match, WWE, um, title Bobby Lashley coming in as champion Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman if Braun Strowman wins this match I would be shocked that's totally wrong direction to go with he's not over I mean I don't think even the average fan really cares about him I think he's there to get pinned so you can keep uh, the Lashley Drew McIntyre feud going on one way or another I kind of agree with you why take the title off people right now I think Lashley is doing as good of a job as possible the title and I think you still have some legs with Lashley versus Drew McIntyre, maybe at like Money in the Bank or something down the line. So I'm, I would keep the title on Lashley, and you know pin Braun. I agree 100. Uh, percent You don't want to. There's no reason to change the title. Um, you want to keep Drew strong. I think they want to keep Drew strong. I think they consider him a main eventer, and so I. I it doesn't make sen- any sense for me to have. First of all, I have Strowman win. That'd be a- absurd. Um, the Raw's already bad enough. And so, yeah, I, I, I think Lashley definitely wins, and I see Strowman getting the uh, taking the pin. And our final match, as we know of as of right now, WWE Universal title match, Roman Reigns coming in as champion versus Cesaro. Now, I'd love to see Cesaro win a title, the main title at some point, but this isn't the time. I think Roman Reigns' character is still really – Big. I mean, the only way I see him win the title is if you're doing something with, you know, the Usos now that they're back together and you've gone super fast with Jay and Jimmy, you know, turning on him. I think that's where this ends at some point with, you know, Jimmy Uso convincing his brother to go and realize that, you know, he's not just a yes man. But I don't think it's I don't think it's time yet. I think they'll have a, a great match if given time. But I think Roman Reigns will win this match. And I can see, still even see, you know, Seth Rollins getting involved a little bit, you know, in this match, which isn't great. But, you know. I think the bigger question is, do we see this feud continue? Um, you know, because Roman Reigns is going to win. I mean, I don't think he's going to. I don't I don't know if Reigns loses until next WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. Like, he's not losing for a long time. Um, and, you know, I've said this. I said this to Corey off air. I think Roman Reigns is the best WWE character in I don't know, the last 10, 15 years. Um, I, I think his character has been, been incredible. Um, 
I think it's going to be a great match. I think their styles really could fit well with each other and they could have a really hard hitting fun match. So I'm very excited for that match. Uh, even though, you know, you know, Reigns is going to win. Um, I think it should be a good match. Uh, Rollins probably will get involved. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the future here with having Rollins and Reigns go at each other a little bit. And, you know, do we see a triple threat with Rollins, Cesaro and Reigns at some point? I could see that. Uh, so there's definitely different ways they can go. But I think this is kind of like the first step. This is yeah, the first I- this is the first match of a feud. I think that's going to continue pat uh past the backlash i i think you would agree with me if any uh if any title does change hand it would most likely be a charlotte flair winning title otherwise most of these matches should be good on paper but there's kind of a standard just filler pay-per-view until we get to you know money in the bank and SummerSlam and the bigger show going on yeah no i agree i don't know if you are you hearing me yeah i hear you okay all right my bad so yeah my internet's being weird today i don't i don't know what's i don't know what's going on but uh, yeah, I, I think this last week when uh, the whole entire show decided to collapse. Yeah, yeah, your computer just blew up. Uh, did you get your new fancy computer yet? No, another five weeks. All right, all right. Corey's getting his new fancy computer uh, that he's been waiting for forever. His computer is ten years old, so uh, you know maybe that'll make the show better. I don't know, but um, <laughs> uh, we're not replacing me as a whole. <laughs> the, the computer's just gonna talk and and do this do the show. Uh, it's so good it can just be the host. Um, no, um. Yeah, I, again, and I don't know if, you know, my internet cut off, but yeah, this is the first step to me in a series of matches, either with Cesaro and Reigns or Rollins, Reigns and Cesaro, Rollins and and um, Reigns. So this is the first step in, in what I think will be kind of a, a longer feud. And, you know, the reason why, too, I think that is because they've been doing this thing where they have Cesaro kind of talk and he gets interrupted every time. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't had that like kind of big promo yet, uh, which I really wanted to see him have. Uh, and, and hopefully he does at some point. Oh, and just to go back and this is as a plug, which we will be on later on tonight. Uh, Christopher Morin is, is in the chat today. And he uh, said, uh, the name is questionable, but Ziggler and Rude are legit in the ring and extremely credible champions. So I don't disagree. I don't, think I don't disagree. They just seem corny. They're just corny. I don't. I don't know. That. That's. I don't know. They just seem like cornballs. But yes, he's. I mean, he's right about that. They're good in the ring. Absolutely. Um. So Jay, like I said, after going over it, I. I think it's going to be a good show on paper. But like I said, it doesn't blow my socks off, especially how bad uh, Roy has been. I do have one quick question before we move on. I know your answer. I think I know your answer already. But since since I've gone Peacock, I've watched literally two things on there. I watched WrestleMania. And I watched the Stone Cold uh, Jericho podcast. I know you watch a lot of soccer, but have you even like looked at anything WWE related since they've gone on to Peacock? Yeah. What did I, what, yeah. Well, well, okay. First of all, I have a question for you. What you think the main event's going to be, but I'll, I'll talk about Peacock real quick. Um, I watch Talking Smack every week. Okay. So that's the one thing that I watch every week. Um, and then what else? I watch some, some, WWE pay, WCW pay per view with Booker T and Scott Steiner. Oh wow! Uh, this is like it was like a this is like a month ago. I, I don't know. I was bored. I think my wife was out of town. I don't know. I was just super bored, and I just started watching this WCW pay per view. Um, but yeah, so I've watched a few things, but you know, not really. And again, same thing with the network. It's not like it's gonna be not any different with the network. I watched Talking Smack. 
I watched takeovers and I watched the, you know, the WWE network special. So it'll be pretty much the same thing. I don't think they have like any crazy new content on there. So. I mean, I heard the Miz documentary may have not been terrible, but it's kind of weird. You know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't even thought about watching it since the, uh, since the, since WrestleMania. Um, but Jay, you were asking me what I think is going to close out the show. I think Roman Reigns Cesaro closes out the show. Wow. Okay. I just don't think the other stuff. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's one thing for a crowd if Roman Reigns holds on because he's such a big character compared to, unless you're having Bobby Lashley lose the title to Drew McIntyre, you're going home with a nice moment. I don't see any reason for for that match, which I think could be a lot slower paced. I mean, there'll be the big, you know, big moves, but I think. The better story and a lot of other things I think is surrounded by Roman Reigns. And I think, yeah, like it'll be hard for the triple threat to live up to the Cesaro Reigns match, you know, because you got Strowman in there who's just not good. So, yeah, oh, and, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I could see that definitely being. So, we spoke about quickly last week that AW looked like they were going back to touring. That became official this week. Uh, they will be starting touring uh, July 7th going uh, to Miami and then two weeks into uh, the Texas area. And also welcome to Miami. All right, go ahead. I just had to get that out there somewhere. Go ahead. Uh, So they're going out for the next couple of uh, Wednesdays. And then also it came out from a couple of different places, including the Matt Men podcast that uh, July 16th and 19th, respectively, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown will be coming from somewhere else besides the Thunderdome. What's your thoughts on the WWE and uh, AW joining MLW and the idea of having live crowds again? Wow, they better just do SmackDown. Yeah, they better just do SmackDown live. <laughs> Putting that Raw out there, show out there live. Ay, ay, ay. Um, yeah, I think, you know, with the CDC, apparently, like, it's fine now. We can do whatever we want. Um I will say this trying to like trying to do a spinning class or cycling class in the gym is like the worst thing in the world, which I've been doing the last couple of days. But um, I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm a, I am a mess today. No, I think um, I'm glad they're starting. They're, they're, they're uh, touring again uh, and they're opening things up and we'll kind of see, I still think people should wear masks. Mm. Um, outdoors when, you know, like if everybody was vaccinated, I think that's different, but like, we don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. So like, I don't know that seems crazy to me, but whatever. I'm glad things are opening up. And even we got an announcement here in Chicago. So the Cubs and the Sox were like 25% and now they're going to be 60% like out of nowhere. So, uh, so yeah, so, so it's, so it's good to see things opening up and we'll see what happens cross our fingers about things not getting worse before they get better. Um, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be interesting to see things with the crowd again. We've seen them in limited amounts at Daly's Place and then at WrestleMania. Um, we'll see how that all works out. I'm very interested to see how things, you know, when they get outside of the, the states that basically have no mandates at all in Texas and Florida on how things are responded by crowds, what size crowds they get. Jay, this week, uh, NXT had another really good show, two weeks in a row. Um, last week, we didn't get a chance to talk about them. This week, they had the two out of three falls match, which I only think I would complain is the fact that the first second f- uh, fall basically happened with like 30 seconds of each other. 
but I thought the stuff they did with uh, Hit, um, I forgot the exact name of Swerve Scott's group. I think it's the- uh, Hit Row? Is it Hit, hit row. row? Yeah, Hit Row, yeah. you're right. I thought that was done extremely well. Um, what were some of your thoughts on uh, NXT? Especially on the uh, fact that, uh, you know, the numbers, and I know you don't love talking about ratings, but they've been on their own for five weeks. It's the lowest rating they've had so far. There was no real competition. Would you be a little bit worried? No. Well, they, there's no Roman Reigns on the show. Is Drew McIntyre on the show? Um, so, no, I'm not. I would not be worried at all. Is Vince worried? I mean, who knows? All you can do is make good shows and then hope that it works out. Um, I we've said this before. They haven't had a new Japan star come. They, you know, they haven't had a, a new a big time free agent come. Frankie Monet has been the biggest free agent they've had in how long? Yeah. Right. And so she doesn't um, debut for another two weeks. I think they finally. Right. Started. So I think I think that's a lot of the issue. But uh, I love the hit row, whatever it's supposed to be, like hit row records or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I thought it was really clever. And I and I'm gonna you know pat myself on the back uh, like I. I, I tend to very, very, uh, no, we've talked about this with Swerve Scott, and you've been oh he's losing, he's losing. And I always tell you, just wait. NXT in terms of long term booking, and I think this is a Triple H thing. Um, I, they get it right eventually, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time they get it right. Sometimes they shoot guys to the moon like Karrion Cross that we've seen. Uh, but with guys like Keith Lee, we were talking to the same thing. When are they going to push Keith Lee? When are they, <laughs> when are they going to push Keith Lee? When are they going to push Keith Lee? And it took them a while, and they eventually gave him the big push. Um, and so I think, you know, we thought this would happen eventually. I think it's the perfect spot for, um, for Swerve to be the leader of this group. I think this is a group also, you know, looking at it from – just a cultural standpoint, like it's, they're cool. Like they look cool. They seem cool. It's like so anti-raw <laughs> where everything on there is just corny. Um, yeah, I loved it. Um, and I think it's going to be something that's successful. I see Swerve eventually getting, you know, probably a world title shot or at least a North American title shot. Um, so yeah, I think, th- I think he's going to get a big push here. Uh, and I think he deserves it. I think he's a great performer. And I think he's really come into his own with the on the mic. I think he's been – this is the best on-mic work he's done in his career. And I don't think it's even close. I absolutely agree with you totally. And so, and so yeah, I, I think it's his time. I think he's ready. And we know in ring he's outrageous. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for him. And I'm, I'm really – I'm happy for him because he's a guy that we've liked since, you know, Lucha Underground. So um, – so we'll see, we'll see how things work, but uh, I do expect him to get a push. The um, two out of three falls match, I thought was, was really good. Um, you know, Karen Cross, again, he does, he really does very little for me. Um, you know, but overall, I think it was a, a pretty entertaining show. Now, I guess when I brought up the ratings and being a little bit, you know, scared of what they, they're going to, a lot of times when ratings go down, sometimes they can go, change the direction they're going in. And I guess that's what I'm worried about. I think the last two weeks of NXT have been two of the best weeks of NXT programming of the whole entire year. I think the direction they're going with is really done well. I mean, the Kushida uh, Santos Escobar match, I thought was top, you know, top notch, except that little snafu with, like I said, the two falls really close to each other. I think the stuff they're doing with Swerve Scott's really good. I mean, 
I think the comedy with the way is sometimes gets a little bit crazy, but I think the stuff they're doing there is really good. I mean, I was a little bit, I was maybe expecting a little bit more from the Raquel uh, versus Mercedes Martinez match. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was like at the level that you would have hoped for with the veteran like Mercedes Martinez. I agree. A couple of blown spots. I, I, I agree. I agree. But um, I guess that's just my general idea there, and I'll, I'll let you of course, comment on this. But yeah, go on. The idea, the fact that when ratings do go down, they've got nobody to compete with, and all you had really to compete with is, you know, NBA, there was no crazy news story as far as, as far as I could tell that night. And if the ratings are continually to go down, and hopefully it's, you know, it's just a two-week trend, do Triple H and the people in power there go and say, we got to change some of these storylines, we got to maybe push other people. And, I'm, and maybe this says Karrion Cross isn't champion, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But do other guys, like maybe like Cool Kyle, who's has only Cool Kyle when he's just doing promos. But do you go away from a, a Kyle O'Reilly? Do you go and not push a Bronson Reed or, you know, that's what, I guess that's kind of my point. And the ratings. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't think it, that makes sense. I mean, these are the guys you have. This is the people you have, right? What are you going to do? Um, they gave, they're given Swerve a bigger push. Uh, Frankie Monet is becoming a bigger part of the show. Uh, they changed the women's uh, tag titles again. I mean, what are you going to do? Karen Cross is a champion. Um, so there's, you know, there's just not Gargano has been on the show for 18 million years. Right. So, you know, like this is kind of what it is. These are the wrestlers they have. These are the people they have. Now you could say, Hey, maybe they could bring someone who's not been utilized on raw, you know, a Jeff Hardy, let's say, and put Jeff Hardy on there for a couple of weeks. I mean, they could do that. Um, but to me, it wouldn't make it like, there's not a change that could make they could make where it's like, oh my God, now the ratings are gonna change. Like I don't see that. So I don't see them doing anything. And it doesn't make sense with what NXT has been. So uh, I don't see any changes. Yeah. And uh, next week we've got Bronson Reed versus Johnny Gargano in a steel cage match for the North American title. And the following week we have the rematch of Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. I think the next two weeks will be interesting to see now that they're letting people know matches in advance that helps the interest level and how much, you know, they get promoted on raw and SmackDown. Nobody, nobody should be watching raw, but how much they promote them on SmackDown, you know? So it'll be interesting where that goes. Uh, now the other big show of the week that we usually enjoy is AW uh, dynamite. They were slightly under a, a million this week. I don't think it's anything really to worry about. Um, last week they were at a one point, uh, basically a little bit under like a 1.2, I believe it was. This week they were a little bit under a million. They were at nine hundred thirty-nine thousand. So, I, like I said, I think as long as they're over nine hundred thousand, I think they should be fine. Do you think it? Do you think that could be as a result of the way uh, Blood and Guts uh, ended? I mean, because they had a great lineup. They told everybody you have three title matches, you know, and I think most people thought the crowning of Rusev, the former Rusev, Miro was happening. You had the dream match, you know, between John Moxley. Nagata. Oh, Corey, come on. Yuji Nagata, I love him. He's not, no one's watching AEW for that. That is a nerd wrestling, even, you know, us as New Japan fans, we haven't seen New, New, Yuji Nagata in his heyday. Like, he's 50. Oh, we saw his heyday back in WCW, but he's no longer. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was 20 something years ago, right? So we haven't seen him in his heyday in a, a long time. 
the the fans who have been watching New Japan, I consider myself someone who's been, you know, a newer New Japan fan like you have, and we've gotten some of our friends in the New Japan who weren't really watching it. That's what since the AJ Styles era, end of Finn Balor, beginning of AJ Styles, like Yuji Nagata was still forty five years old or whatever, right? <laughs> so like, no one no one's watching for that. In terms of the ratings, Corey, they built up a show, a match for like five weeks. They built up one to say, oh, there's this great match next week. Don't forget to watch. That's a lot different than doing promos and stories and building up this big match. And what the hell is going to happen? What what does blood and guts even mean? Like, what is blood and guts, right? So I think, um, you know, that's a part of it. And then what is it? 50,000, 500,000 people, whatever it is. Like, you know, th- those numbers can go ba- go back and forth. And that's why I think we get a little too crazy. You love talking about the ratings. I think we get a little too crazy with the ratings. But I think this show was um, – I had some issues with this show. One, I hate John Moxley's new music. I don't think it fits I, him at all. I like the – I would like the music. I would like – go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know if that's – sorry to interrupt. I don't think that's going to be his regular – I might be wrong, but – I don't think that could be his regular music. I think that was in honor of Onita, who with the death, because I, I've been reading that in other places that that was uh, the music Onita came out to and, you know, stuff with the death matches and stuff like that. So I think that was kind of in honor of him. Okay. I mean, that's music for going forward, then I can understand. I mean, I'm personally attached to that because, you know, the movie Major League, but I would agree with you. I mean, besides him being from Ohio and, you know, the Cleveland Indians, you know, playing in Ohio. That I mean, really, you're real, you're really reaching. You're really, re- you're really reaching. Oh no! I, um, I think I just think like the way he comes out, he comes out with fire and vigor, and you need a rock entrance. You need a hard song for him to come out to. So, anyway, that's whatever. Um, Corey, I and I know people are gonna disagree, and you know, I said this on Twitter at work to shoot pod. I, I didn't I'm love that. I didn't love the Young Bucks SCU match. I thought oh, the match was, was kind. Of, I thought the match was kind of a mess. Um, I, 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 again, I don't think the young bucks are heels. Uh, I feel like Nick Jackson seems like the nicest guy in the world and is just faking it. What's, what's he wearing gold chain for? I thought the match was a mess. Um, and you know, I, I didn't, I just didn't think it was a great match and I don't think the young bucks as heels has really worked for me. So. I mean, I really enjoyed the match. I mean, if you want to say something that didn't work was the idea that, and this is just a constant thing that I guess they'll get. And and this is me, me making an excuse because it's going to sound that way. So maybe it is. But the idea of it's a having, mark. I'm a, yep. Corey Mark Richmond at your service. Um, but their camera work over the last couple of weeks has just been atrocious. You can't go and have this moment where SEU has been tag teaming on and off for the last, what, 12 years or so. And you cut to a BS or, you know, um, breaking of tables in the back, which didn't even look that great to begin with. Moxley, Nettie Kingston, when you're having this moment, I maybe it's the fact that, you know, Christopher Daniel was bleeding buckets and you mostly wanted to get him, you know, a little bit of attention right after that. But I mean, the idea that, and these are guys who people know. And if you're, a lot of people who watch AEW are, you know, were fans of Ring of Honor and, and know the history from BTE and everything else between Absolutely. these four guys. And I thought the promo <clears throat> package they did beforehand, I thought was was really good. Something that me and you have complained about more you than me when it comes to, you know, promoting your matches and not having everything on dark and elevation, which very few people, you know, watch unless you're the, the hardcore like me. 
I thought they did a great job with that. But the idea of them hardcore slash have a lot of time on your hands. Go ahead. Sure. Um, but I just thought the idea of them basically giving seven seconds or like 12 seconds, whatever the actual number was after like a commercial break, you know, going to Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels when this is a big moment where there are rumors that this might be Christopher Daniels, maybe final match. He might be retiring, you know, now, you know, because he's in his fifties and maybe taking more of a, even more of a behind the scenes role with AW. It just felt like, all right, we built this and now they lost and we're going to some Something in the back, which wasn't. I thought, I, thought, Corey, I thought it was horrible. I thought it was, and I may have some more kids listen to this. Some I told some of my students about the podcast, so we'll see. I'm trying not to curse as much as a result, but I'm going to now. Um, it was fucking terrible and a disgrace. They've built <clears throat> this story up for a long time. Christopher Daniels has been on BTE. Uh, the Young Bucks have talked about how influential he has been in their career. He has been with Kazarian for a really long time. He is an all-time great wrestler. And to this, first of all, the bleeding, I, I, I thought the blood, blood was so stupid. Every match has got to be this crazy blood. I, I thought... I thought the end of it was, was I, I thought it was terrible. They didn't show these guys at the end mm-hmm. and the fans giving me the, the adulation. Um, I agree. I like the promo package before, but I thought it was, and this is, this is the pro this is AEW's problem. If that was NXT, there's no way they would have done that. They would have, and I know ratings. Oh yeah. They do so much better in the range. Well, uh, NXT doesn't have Chris Jericho. Um, and, you know, slow things the fuck down. There we go. Let them have this moment. Here goes my let them have a let them have a moment. Let them hug. Let you know they they did it with Moxley and Nagata. So you're doing it for a guy in Japan, but you're not doing it for your own freaking guys. I, I thought it was, I thought it was, and they're like, oh yeah, let's cut to it and show the show everyone that they hugged at the end. I, I thought it was. He's bleeding all over the. I thought it was terrible, and I I thought the match wasn't good. I I, oh, I, I love the match. I thought it was a great match. But. I how great match in what way? Daniels is out of it for half the match because he's got the fake blood all over the place. I I, I thought I I don't know. I didn't like no, it. We could we could do the I mean, I but, yeah, and I, and that, that's fine. That's fine. But I, I thought the I thought what they did at the end, not showing those guys at the end, and what might be his last match was it was a dis what was a disgrace. So you, you brought him up, uh, Chris, well, go quickly on this. Chris Jericho took the fall and he legitimately, I guess, dislocated his shoulder. So um, me and you spoke last week, if he'd be back, you know, one week later, they set up the uh, state, uh, stadium stampede match for a double or nothing. I guess twofold answers. One, do you think it was a mistake having him come back a week later, even just doing talking? And wait, two, wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. He dislocated his shoulder. He's gonna wrestle in two weeks. I guess. Uh, I, I think that's. I think that's what's called a fake injury, mm. or unless they really hide it. If he dislocated his shoulder, first of all, he, he didn't have a thing on his shoulder. He had it. Oh, his... well, whatever he did, he, he did actually legitimately get hurt from the fall. Maybe it wasn't displayed. Oh, all, right. all right. So, all right. I'm being. I'm, I might be being cute, but okay. All right. Go ahead. But what was your thoughts on him coming back? You know, one week later, and do you like the idea? And I know we spoke about it in the past. The idea of you usually end a feud 
with the uh, the double steel cage match war games or double you know blood or guts whatever we're calling it now but did you like the idea of him coming back right away or do you think he should have been out until like the last show until and or what, what was your thoughts on that whole tie segment i think he should have taken at least a week off and i'm sure with jericho who's one of the greatest minds in history of wrestling i'm sure he talked about it with tony khan and there is that there is that element right of promoting the pay-per-view that's coming up. Obviously, you know, we have the Omega triple threat match, which was kind of a weird thing, which we can talk about. I felt like they needed to get to the promotion of the pay-per-view because this isn't a network special. People have to spend, you know, $50, $60 on this. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to kill them for that because they had to figure out a balancing act. And they showed Jericho being pretty beat up anyway. So it's not like he was like, oh, I'm fine now. So... I, I think it was okay. I would have kept them out for a week. Um, it's weird. They said Santana's in jail. I don't know. I think maybe Santana's something's going on with him. Maybe um, he was under the weather. That's what they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking maybe something. You know, not that he has COVID, but maybe, maybe there's something where you know whatever. Because um, that was a weird way to explain that. Uh, I thought the angle was good. I, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. Um, although the only issue going back to the camera work where. So they showed, you saw Jericho hiding beforehand. You're like, oh, Jericho's going to come out. So that was a little bit of a mess up. But um, AW does sometimes mess up these big, these big, uh, big things. But um, I, yeah, I thought the angle was, was fine. I thought it was good. Tony, Tony Giovanni was going insane. Uh, it's calmed down, Tony. But I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a good angle. And, and, you know, I think the stadium stampede is good. I think, you know, as far as like us saying blood and gut should be the end of the feud. I mean, the feud kind of just started, right? So right. um it's, you know, the blood and guts thing they kind of wanted to do. I think they probably should have done the stadium stampede, which is kind of a more fun kind of gimmicky match. And then the blood and guts like a month from now, but you know, they needed to kind of get everything going and how much longer could they have promoted the show, the pay-per-view or right. promoted that, that match. So I'm not going to kill him on that because of timing and things like that. And I thought it was pretty well done. Um, I mean, my only criticism is, you know, they had five women or whatever. Can they get a woman who's not a white blonde? Can they get, you know, African-American woman, a Latina, someone? Can they get a different look of woman than the ones they had in the back? Other than that, I thought it was a good second. I get your point on that. Um, So we're going to, the last two things that happened on the show, we're going to kind of combine. Orange Cassidy, Face Pac, uh, the match went 14 minutes and two, and two seconds. Uh, apparently, Orange Cassidy was basically knocked out after the uh, the clothesline from Pac and the um, like legit knocked out. Legit knocked out. So the so the everything everyone is saying now. Uh, initially, the plan was for it to go to a 20 minute um, draw draw setting up, which we still had the three way at the pay per view. So, I mean, I didn't know that in advance when I, I saw the show. And, you know, the way it ended abruptly and everything, I mean, looking now, I'll say it's the best they could have done of doing I the double, D, you know, double qualifications. It's where they were going to. I mean, I've heard people who are WWE fans or apologists going, we killed, we killed WWE for having a triple threat match, and now we're not going to kill them for this. I mean, the way they set it up wasn't the best way, but, you know, they got to where they wanted to go. And then as a result – the Miro versus Darby Allen match, which also went 14 minutes and change. I'm thinking that match most likely got extended as a result of the six minutes being taken away of one. And I'm thinking Miro was supposed to basically squash him 
What was your thoughts on uh on both of those Jer- things? Uh, well, first of all, the best thing that AEW did this week was that uh, Darby Allen uh, package before. I Another mean, package, I thought it was I thought it was really really good. Um, yeah, so the match ended really funny with Pac and Orange Cassidy, so that makes sense. And I'm not I'm absolutely not going to kill them for that because that that happens. Hopefully, Orange Cassidy's okay and he can wrestle in a couple weeks. Um, depending on if he you know has a concussion or if it's bad or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Omega thing is a bit underwhelming in terms of Cassidy and Pac as his opponents. Pac lost on uh, a couple weeks ago to the Bucks, uh, him and Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix, of course, nowhere to be found. I think Phoenix is like the Bailey of, of uh, AEW. Uh, wrestles great matches, a role player, but doesn't ever really win. Um, uh, so Pac lost, you know, whatever it was, a month, month and a half ago. I think he isn't really, they haven't done a good job of heating him up. They just say, oh, he's great. And then like, we're supposed to just think he's great. Is he a heel? Is he a baby face? Kind of what is he? Um, I think Orange Cassidy, yeah. I, I think Orange Cassidy, you could have put him in, in there as a, in that spot. Uh, but maybe Pac is in there like Strowman. Maybe Pac is in there to take the pin. Because Pac is one of those guys you could, you know, give a title shot to pretty much any time. But I don't think for a pay-per-view, if they would have done it, if they would have done this on a AW show, I think it would have been fine. But for a pay-per-view, especially, and maybe Corey, I don't know if you feel this way, but I have higher expectations. I want to also talk about Cody. Um, I, I don't know if you have higher uh, expectations in my for a pay-per-view, but I feel like my expectations are higher for um, for a show that you're paying like a good amount of money for. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Knowing everything that happened, I give them a somewhat of a pass because, you know, I'm the, AG, I'm the AW apologist apparently, but I don't disagree with you that it's not the strongest main event. But I think as we'll talk about it, as we go along next couple of weeks. I don't weeks, know if that's going to be the main event. I don't know if that's going to be the main event. I could. I think Tony Schiavone said that this was, uh, you know, they were fighting for a shot to be in the main event of Double or Nothing. So maybe that okay. might change. But I mean, who who knows? But I think as this card develops, and I, we'll talk more about the actual card in the couple in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the pay per view. But I think as as long as the rest of the show is strong, you know, like with the the Moxley Kingston versus the Young Bucks, and you know, finally crowning you know Bit Baker as your next champion, I think those type of things will be great supporting pieces of the puzzle that will make people want to buy this pay-per-view, especially when also there's only four of them per year. So I think that kind of helps on this, but I don't disagree with you that this isn't on paper, the strongest, the strongest match. I thought Cody really tried to straddle the line. First of all, I think he's one of the best talkers in, in pro wrestling. I think he's probably top five. Um, and I thought his promo was, um, he did a really good job of, you know, his lines and saying it. He got emotional and talking about his kid or whatever, but um, you know, he's talking about like the civil rights act and it, you know, he's talking about, you know, they show the guy with the black lives matter shirt in the crowd. He's talking about America and I'm like, it's fine. You know, and Jason Powell in his reviews, like someone's going to get offended because 2021, no man, people are going to get offended because like shit's, you know, things are like kind of fucked up for like a lot of people who don't have your skin color. I wasn't offended by the the promo at all. Um, but I just thought it was 
why are we doing this the the USA thing in like 2021? Couldn't we have as much as the QT Marshall thing was we, we didn't think that would really get off the ground and it didn't at least that was a story. He was, you know, it was a story and it made sense why he was mad. He felt like he was one up. This has no story. The story is this guy is mad about the United States. So now I'm going to wrestle him. I mean, come on. This is like the 1980s. What are we doing? Um, so it's hard to me, hard for me to like look at AEW and they're doing these like, you know, there's Darby Allen talking about Miro, talking about where he came from, talking about kind of who he is now. And, and he's kind of generic and just kind of talking about Miro as like this three-dimensional character in a promo. And then Cody comes out and he's talking like he's, um, you know, Dusty Rhodes in 1985, talking about Nikita Koloff. Like, come on. I don't know. The, the promo did nothing for me. Um, I think it's interesting that this is a match at a pay-per-view. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought the promo, the delivery was fantastic because Cody is great. But I just don't think it was. And I think they did as well a job as they could do skirting the lines and not making it seem offensive as they could. But it also was like, it was too corny for me. I can see that. I mean, I agree with you. I think he's one of the best promos in the business. And one of the things that helps a lot with the promo is the fact that he, he seems like he believes everything she's saying. And that, that's one of the a lot of times when you have younger guys giving promos, they feel like they're just reading a script and there's no passion to it. I mean, it's clear. It's clear that Cody's writing this promo. Right. Like it's, it's clear as day. This is his words. hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with you. Right. And was it's, now, my big, now I've got two problems. One with the, if you want to be quote unquote the woke company, and not doing all the things that WWE does wrong, I think somebody has to talk to Cody Rhodes and say, you know, maybe there this should be reworded a little bit. And you know, even in one of the press conferences back when they were doing live shows, Cody had made you know a comment about you know he doesn't see race when it comes to Brandy Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes basically called him out right away saying if you don't see race you don't actually see all of me which is you know a very key point and you would have thought as a result of that he might have been smarter in this promo but I think that's a problem and two there was I think there was one at least on Dynamite there was one line that Anthony Agogo said in a promo where he wasn't even the main part of the promo where saying that you know he's this huge star in England and right and he came to the U.S. just to basically take their money and then all of a sudden last week he puts the um, the English flag over, you know, Dust, not Dusty. I'm sorry. He wants to call himself the, you know, the American Dream for this match. Cody Rhodes in the last match. He puts, you know, the English flag over him. That's that doesn't do enough. There's not enough character building with Anthony Agogo, and I got no problem with him giving a chance to a young guy to go and try to shine. And I think they'll go and make that match as good as possible. They'll work it to the bone to make it perfect. But the idea that, like I said, for Anthony Agogo to be this anti-America guy. When it was like basically a one line in a promo, it it's either too fast or it wasn't explainable enough. Now, can they in road shows the next three weeks make this guy this uber healed who's anti-America and maybe get you know people to be really angry with him? Sure, but I don't think they earned it with the fans or especially someone like me and you to actually care enough, not care enough about Anthony Ogogo as a challenger, but to care about his character enough as this anti-America guy for that i needed this you know captain america type of speech 
And is that like his character now? He's anti-America? Is that what he's going to come up? Like Nikita Koloff? I mean, at this point, and we, we talk about this with Roman Reigns, and listen, WWE does a lot of stupid shit. Like, a lot. But are, aren't we at the stage now where we're trying to have three-dimensional characters? Look at Cody. Other than his dumb neck tattoo, we know who he is, right? We know who he is. We know what he does. He's a three-dimensional character, um, you know, and that's kind of who he is. Uh, and I know Cody's kind of the Hulk Hogan of of uh, AEW. I get it, but I, I don't know, man. I, it just didn't sit well with me. No, I, I agree. Uh, Jay, like I said, and me, we may disagree. I thought it was actually AEW was a very good this show this week. I enjoyed like 95% of it. I mean, there was little things. There's the camera angles. They could have done better. And, you know, we didn't need Thunder Rosa, that job match on the Rosa, which wasn't very good. But the Britt Baker promo was was excellent. And I'm really looking I forward to it. I thought Britt Baker promo was okay. I thought JR could have asked better questions. I would have enjoyed that more if Britt Baker just cut a promo. JR well, was, was, like, was like, JR's like, JR's like, so you're going to win? Yeah, I'm going to win. Like, <laughs> JR, what kind, of, what kind of fucking question is that? Of course, you. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna win. Like, what? I, I don't know. I thought it would have been more effective. And then, like, Britt Baker was like talking to him, but talking in the camera. I don't know. I, I mean, I listen. Britt Baker's a she's amazing on the mic. So, I mean, it was fine, but I thought it was a little silly. Uh, I thought the show was was a solid show. I think the one thing with AEW, and this is why they they do well in the ratings. One, they have the stars, you know, Omega, the Bucks, Moxley, Jericho, uh, and Cody. But they also have like a fun show. The show is fun. It's super fast paced. It's all over the freaking place. By the way, with Rusev, Miro winning the title. Can they just celebrate Miro winning the title before they have 18 million people come out? I mean, it's just, but again, that's part of the thing right, is that they have this fun, wacky, crazy show, but I think if they want to start getting more than, a, you know, if they want to keep you know, raising their audience, they got to, like, slow things down a little bit. All right. We're part of a great uh, uh, life group podcast. So Monday, we've got Dong City with Henry and Vince. Uh, Tuesday, we've got the Audible with Matt and Randy. Today, you've got us, Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, There's going to be a special uh, NFL schedule release edition. By the way, I don't give a shit about the schedule release. I, I, I get people get hyped about it. I don't care. These games are months away. Well, um, if, you do, if you do care, please listen to. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me. I got it. I got it. If you do care, listen to Matt and Randy. They're going to talk about it. I don't care. A lot of people really care. Um, but Friday, we have our basketball podcast, The Step Back with Jacob and Leon. We have a, only a couple more games left of the regular season. Find thank, out. Thank God. Please end this regular gonna, season. Uh, Let's move on. If the Lakers going to finish sixth or if they'll be part of the playing uh, playing tournament, if they finish seventh, I believe. So I'm sure they'll talk about that. Jacob and Leon do a great job with that. And then on Sunday, we got the Total Bases podcast with Felipe and Sean. That's more of a fantasy-based show uh, talking about the analytics and stuff when it comes to uh, – Mostly baseball, but I know they every once in a while talk about football and other stuff as those seasons are going along. But, uh, Jay, we do have another podcast that uh, I'm involved with, and you have been on uh, occasionally. We need to get you on more, you know, after dinner time. Uh, Jay, what podcast might that be? 
You don't know Jackie. You don't know Jackie. Jackie Rachel, Jackie Corey, Jackie Andy, the comedy podcast for the ages. Thank you. Uh, we just came out with a new episode yesterday talking uh, about many subjects, including uh, Chet, Chet Hanks and his stupidity with White Boy Summer and uh, the whole Cinnamon Toast Crunch and a lot of stuff that goes on with the stupidity of the internet. What did you just say? Who are these people? I am so old. I know you're not coming up with these topics because you are not hip. It must be uh, one of the Jackies. Uh, that's it's very possible. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting conversation on, you know, a lot of these pseudo celebrities and different pe people on how, you know, going online and saying things on the Internet gets them in trouble. So I'm going to stop talking about this because that's how I get in trouble. But uh, we do have, you know, more episodes coming uh, with our special guest over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ken Beck, uh, stand up, uh, improv, stand up and improv comedian who is on uh, season one of Russian Dolls, so he'll uh, he'll be on. You guys got a you guys got a full on so you guys got a full on celebrity. But uh, Jay, final uh, final topic of the evening before we uh, take a small break and then jump on with uh, Christopher Morton and the Moore's Law podcast, where you can check out wherever you uh, listen to podcasts as well. Uh, Jay, we had week one of Dark Side of the Ring, talking about the late great uh, loose cannon Brian Pillman. Uh, Jay, what was your thoughts? And uh, are you excited for uh, season three of the best documentaries about wrestling on TV? We're not, we're not counting A&E on this by any stretch. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched any of the A&E ones, so I, I, I don't want to say anything. But, um, you know, they're WWE produced, right? So obviously, you know, they, they're not going to give you the full story necessarily. If they like you, they'll keep you safe. If they, if they don't like you, a.k.a. Macho Man, they... It's a hit piece, but yeah, you know, I watched part one last week and I watched part two this week and I know it, they came out at a different time, but I don't know what's going on, whether I have vice or not. I don't know. So I just watched it on YouTube. Uh, man, it was incredibly sad. I think a lot of the, they're all basically sad. It's like all just people dying. It's terrible. But, you know, I remember the loose uh, canon character a bit. And I remember when he wrestled, um, when he was in the WWE, that he just didn't seem like he had it together. Like his the matches were not good. I remember that. I remember watching the matches, thinking like, this this isn't the same guy that I watched like a couple of years ago wrestle like Jushin Thunder Liger. Like this isn't the same guy. Like what's going on? Um, and I know he had the car accident. And when you know we and this is like right when the internet was starting and internet rumors and whatever. And when he had the car accident, you heard it was bad, but then you heard like, oh, he'll be fine. Um, and by the way, for him to have this horrific car accident and still get signed by the WWE is just quite the coup. Um, it's just an amazing, an amazing coup. And the other thing that sucks is, right, like if he would have just been a broadcaster, there's a, ch there's a chance he'd be alive today. If he'd have just said, I'll just, I'll just be a broadcaster and I'll be an awesome broadcaster, WWE would not have released him um, they, you know, at the time. They would have kept him for a while. Who knows? Maybe his body would have healed and he would have been able to wrestle you know, you know, a couple years later. Um, and then the timeline is interesting too, right? So he signed a contract in 1996 with WWE and died in 1997. After the horrific car accident, he barely like 
Like he barely healed from it. He was always in pain. You know, guys have torn ACLs and take eight months off. He His whole body was wrecked and he didn't even take that much time off. Um, and so he didn't take care of himself. He had all these kids um, and, and was really a, a five kid. Well, I think, he, well, he had five kids uh, with different women, two, two with one woman, three with another. So he had five kids. I mean, his life was, I mean, he was a train wreck. But yeah, I'll just wrap it up by saying it was a great documentary and I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I agree. I mean, I think the two, uh, the two documenta- documentarians for Vice do a tremendous job on these and they have, there's more to come, of course. And I, I thought it was a really well done piece on, you know, the first half of his career in WCW. And then, you know, basically the aftermath of what happens to the, to the people that are left behind, you know, I mean, you continue to um, understand how much this man meant to these people and how, you know, basically, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. has basically made his career as kind of like a tribute to his dad and all the things that he went through after the death of, you know, abusive, you know, basically not stepfather, but a, yeah, abusive stepfather. Was it she married again? I didn't realize. Yeah, yep, abusive stepfather. And you know the two other children and how how important his his sister was, who's basically like a second mother to all of these kids. I mean, it was interesting. And you know, we talk about earlier on about ratings and how much they shouldn't matter. And I think that might have just been one of those stories. The fact that the Hollywood Bonds were in one main event and they it wasn't a good rating, so they destroyed their push. I mean, I don't know if that's you know a good story for the documentary or if that's actually why they split up the tag team. But I mean, I thought it was a really done thing. I mean, it's always colorful characters in the world of professional wrestling. I forgot the gentleman's name, but the person who was basically is his what strength and conditioning coach with uh, Cincinnati Bengals. That, that guy, I mean, that guy's a gimmick. That guy's a, <laughs> that, that, that guy is a, a, a nut, man. He was, he was very funny. He, he, he was, was very funny. He, up, he was like, I'm not going to repeat some of the stuff he said because that's even a little strong for us. But uh, we got a lot of interesting ideas on what everyone different. I think you know, Eric Bischoff is delusional if he thought that uh, by re- you know giving somebody their release they were going to come back. I mean, if you listen to people like Dave Meltzer, I don't think I don't I I disagree. I think I I think he gets a lot of heat for that, but I don't think he I think he released them with the idea of I'll make you a bigger star, and if you want to come back, I'll make you the offer to come back. I think Bischoff let him go knowing that he's either going to come back a big star or maybe he won't come back. I think Bischoff, I, I, I think the idea that Bischoff is that so dumb that Pillman played him and everyone's like, Oh, look, he got, I think that's a little bit of the let's make fun of Bischoff because the company went under. I, I don't, I, 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 I agree more that Bischoff thought Bischoff released them and said, Hey, you either come back a bigger star or you don't come back. You know, so and I, but I thought, I think the one thing is, I think he thought strongly that he'd come back, and he they offered him more money. But they and had I those th- three month uh, opt outs. They was- yeah, they offered him more money, but he was hurt. So I I that's why right. So if they if he wasn't hurt, there's a good chance he would have went back to WCW. Yeah, and that's that's what uh, Dave Meltzer said that he talks that he had and Dave Meltzer was in that documentary I wonder how many more is it for the rest of the season but uh I do think you know you might you mostly are right if he didn't get if he didn't get hurt 
he might have resigned there and it history could have been a little bit different but uh jay before we close this out i know that neither one of us are huge fans of the the death matches i thought the documentary that was done on death match wrestling by vice land the wrestler that was really d- well done but are you going to check out this week's episode with a deathmatch legend, apparently, Nick Gage? Or is that too far out of your comfort zone that I, I'll just skip to uh, the following week, Collision in Korea? I'll probably watch it, but I, I don't think it's something I'm going to want to talk about on the show. That deathmatch stuff does not. It's never it's never done anything for me. I mean, I've just never been a big hardcore fan. And it's funny because like I love DCW, but I love DCW for like RVD and Jerry Lynn, and for, like, really, really good stories. Um, you know, I did, like, uh, New Jack and the Gangsters, but I kind of thought I liked them because their gimmick was something you hadn't seen on television before, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the actual, like, blood and hardcore and that stuff never did anything for me. So, to be honest, I, I think it's garbage. I think it's garbage wrestling. So, I'll watch it, but I, I don't think it's anything I'm going to want to talk about on the show. Yeah. Like I said, we've got some interesting episodes coming, but this week we've got Nick Nick Gage. And for people, for fans of the You Don't Know Jacket podcast that are joining us this week, that I'm sure that they will show some of the stuff from uh, that we spoke about from the uh, David um, David Arquette. Thank you, David Arquette documentary and that situation, which we even saw in the promo for this week's episode. So, Jay, as always, the final word is yours as we get ready to. Uh, Do some more podcasting with our buddy Christopher Moore in a few minutes. I think we're done here. See ya.